today on Ag News Daily. Uh, the Kansas Wheat Tour is probably just going to confirm what we've been uh, seeing here the last couple of months, that uh, the wheat is uh, really bad in, in most places. Listeners, welcome back to the Market Monday edition of the Ag News Daily Podcast, May 15th, 2023. Delaney, did you have a good weekend? I did. I went to Bacon Fest, Tanner. Yeah, I forgot that was happening. It always happens right around my daughter's birthday, so we usually have family family in town and presents to open but how did that go it was good i ate some tasty pork products yeah i had just saw something i think it was on instagram where they take club crackers put uh some bacon on the crackers some brown sugar and a jalapeno slice and bake that Hmm. and they looked delicious coming out of the oven well they didn't have anything quite that tasty there but let's see we had some good pork belly burnt end sliders that were pretty tasty lots of free bacon that was going around and i got some bacon toffee that i haven't tried yet but it looks pretty tasty Ooh, that all does sound really good was i can't remember what the weather was like on saturday was that a cool and misty day <laughs> no thankfully it rained first thing in the morning on saturday but by the afternoon it uh warmed up pretty substantially no rain but then we got rain yesterday again here in central iowa and that might be the trend moving forward tanner yeah it looks like it according to the national weather service rain is expected for parts of missouri and kansas today some severe storms are anticipated with winds up to 60 miles per hour localized flooding is expected of course we're watching uh, floods along the mississippi river flood watches have also been issued for parts of central oklahoma through early afternoon today. Excessive runoff may result in flooding of rivers, creeks, streams, and other low-lying areas, says the agency. Plus, I've seen pictures out on Twitter, social media, of uh, our friends in the Dakotas having a substantial amount of rainfall, and it looks like we've got more in the forecast. Of course, as successful farming catches up with the extreme ag team, They get to travel virtually from Iowa to North Carolina and Arkansas to kind of keep up on things there. North Carolina's report comes from Kevin Matthews. They've had decent planting weather. Unfortunately, they had a four-inch rainfall over a 48-hour period a week ago. That causes for a little uh, need for replanting some of their corn. Of course, Matt Miles from Arkansas had some really good weather uh, that they've been getting their crops uh, already to the stage in which they're going to do some post spraying. And Kelly Garrett out of Arian, Iowa, is reporting here that planting started off quite well. But like you said, Delaney, Iowa's been wet over the last two weeks with a little bit more in the forecast here. So I'm assuming when we get to look at tomorrow's or this afternoon's planting progress report tomorrow, Iowa, my guess, is probably going to stall out a little bit, don't you think? I mean, you'd have to think so, but I've just been impressed this year with how quickly we've gotten things in the field and gotten planted. So I don't know, we could be surprised again, but even with some of this rain that's been happening across the Midwest, we're not seeing the drought monitor really help improve things in states like Kansas, where rain has fallen across parts of Kansas this past week. But the U.S. drought monitor is still indicating extremely dry conditions in Kansas, especially when you look at subsoil moisture tanner, predominantly rated very short at 52% short of subsoil moisture. 
Garen Braun also put out an interesting article here late last week looking at U.S. drought across the Corn Belt. And she said that U.S. Corn Belt drought is worse than a year ago, despite the national improvement that we have seen. Drought coverage in the continental U.S. fell to the lowest levels last week since June of 2020, but dryness has escalated, especially in the Western Corn Belt, where subsoil moisture reserves are well below a year ago. On the other hand, wet weather, like we're seeing up in the Dakotas, has completely had the opposite effect there, where we're seeing record slow planting paces. But the U.S. drought monitor as of Thursday morning last week showed 45% of the continental U.S. was still abnormally dry as of May 9th, down from its recent peak of 85% in the November prior, but still all in all seeing a lot of places, Tanner, that are not seeing the switch in effects here from moving away from an El Nino weather pattern. Yeah, that is... uh... Certainly one that catches a lot of headlines. Of course, uh, you see the speculation in long-range forecasts uh, trying to coincide with where they think this growing season is going to go. But another area that farmers are continuing to focus on, and that is the Right to Repair Act. Who should be able to work on emissions equipment, Delaney? That's one of the focuses that's going on right now as there's currently fines in place by the EPA and other federal agencies that are monitoring this right to repair movement. And they're mainly focusing on the emissions control pieces of vehicles, trucks, tractors, and other ag equipment. So as you look through these processes, according to the discussions, Earlier this year, of course, the American Farm Bureau Federation signed their memorandums with both John Deere and Case New Holland to expand access to their diagnostic tools, but spokespeople are stating that this is an entirely separate process, whether it's chipping the equipment or procedures that are put in place to skirt emission standards, these all can be considered a violation of the EPA's rulings. Looking through other interviews done by DTN, there are plenty of focus on what is considered deleting emissions. I used air quotes there as if the listeners could see us, Delaney, but deleting emissions on motor controls. And those currently right now could warrant civil penalties of more than $4,800 per defeat device that is either manufactured, sold, or installed per vehicle or motor that includes tractors and other farm machines and per offense. So a dealer or vehicle manufacturer who tampers with these emission control systems could also be subject to penalties. So one of those obviously is diesel exhaust fluid or DEF systems. And we're trying to figure out now, Delaney, where that falls under the Right to Repair Act, whether or not those items can be removed as that is now part of the discussion going forward. So I have to see how this plays out. Yeah, that's a touchy subject for sure, Tanner, but I hadn't even thought about that angle. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be one that I think is going to come up again. So we'll be sure to let our listeners how the, let them know how this phase is in. Well, we had an interesting story here that broke earlier this morning looking at avian influenza as we're now seeing reports that this is the deadliest outbreak of the bird flu in U.S. history and has prompted growing concern in Congress and the USDA. 
where researchers are awaiting the preliminary results of four different trial vaccines for poultry. Some lawmakers are warming up to the idea of a vaccination campaign, long considered a fringe idea, Tanner, due to the cost, potential consequences, and timeline to actually get a vaccine in place. And trade groups are very divided on this. A lot of them warning that vaccinated poultry would not be accepted in many overseas markets and could potentially disrupt quite a few export markets for the United States. And while bird flu doesn't pose health danger really to humans, it has contributed to the spike in egg and poultry prices we've seen at the grocery store. But some fresh numbers for us here as of uh, this year, farmers across the country have lost or had to cull about 58 million poultry birds. And the USDA estimates that already more than $670 million in insurance indemnities and sanitation services have had to be paid out to combat the ongoing bird flu. So while uh, we're, we've started to see it come back down a little bit, many wild bird populations have also started their spring migration and they're estimating that roughly 140,000 poultry birds were infected with the virus nationwide in April due to those migration patterns. So they're saying food costs have obviously stabilized a little bit in the grocery store, but if Congress can do something here to continue to control that, they're going to look at some of those measures. So we're going to look at trying lining up something here to chat a little bit more about this, these potential vaccines and where they're at in the pipeline. But Interesting piece of news for our listeners here today, Tanner. So Delaney, as we look into the cash cattle market over the weekend, we're continuing to see steady markets here in our region, but we're seeing possibly due to like the drought uh, implications that you are hinting at in the South causing lower cash cattle markets. The trade is considered moderate for the week ending May 12th. Obviously, the north is where we stayed steady, and the rest of the country is looking to help support where the north is at. Looking at that 176 to 177 per hundred weight figure as cattle were trading that spot here, central and northern portion of the region, $2 lower than the previous week. However, wholesale beef prices declined also. Choice box beef closed Friday at 304.61. That's down nearly $5 for the week. Select box beef closed Friday at 284.68, down 78 cents. Estimated cattle for weekly slaughter was 646,000 head. That was up 23,000 head from the previous week, but down 5,000 from this time last year. The year-to-date tally is down 3%, but still looks like it's staying pretty close to on pace. We'll continue to watch what futures are doing. It'll be an interesting conversation for today's Market Monday, but analysts are continuing to watch cash cattle prices to see if uh, we can see if there's any early indications of the Southern Plains drought conditions having a stronger effect on the market. So we'll dive deeper into that, but I wanted to give our listeners a quick update there. And I have a quick update for our listeners as well, as there have been no fresh talks over the weekend to try and finalize an extension of the Grain Corridor Initiatives deal. 
Ukraine and Russia have not met since late last week and have no plans to talk this week either so far as of Monday, according to a foreign ministry official in Ukraine. As we know, the deal ends officially May 18th unless an extension or amendment is brokered. And currently, Tanner, it's not looking good for that. So we are definitely in the 11th hour here as we head toward that final date of May 18th. That's right. And the last piece of headlines that I've got today will stick uh, with the conflict between Ukraine and Russia. Ukrainian President Zelensky is applauding his allies after his trip that we discussed last week. His meetings with European allies have produced lauded promises for fresh military aid to continue to push back Russian defenses. He's also requested more modern fighter jets to help protect Kiev. Uh, there are unconformed reports right now of Russian aircraft being shot down within Russian territory. This would be a significant impact, especially if this was not by Ukrainian air defenses, because Kiev has not confirmed that it was their defense system. We're also seeing intelligence of uh, coming out of Ukraine saying that Russian forces are no longer capable of large-scale offensives due to their diminished resources. The claim obviously comes as Kiev has now captured more than 10 strategic Russian positions. So that is positive news on the side of Ukraine there. And then also in a rare announcement, the Russian military officials have announced that two of their commanders were killed on the battlefield in uh, eastern Ukraine. So we're seeing some interesting headlines here as we begin the week off. But Delaney, that's what I've got for headlines today. I have just one other quick headline here, Dana, before we hop into the markets. And that is a CONAB report here of Brazilian production. As we saw on the Wise Report last week, the USDA adjusted production numbers for Brazil. But in CONAB's May forecast, they have also adjusted production numbers predicting that Brazilian farmers will harvest a record 154.8 million tons of soybeans. That's, Tanner, 23% more than the previous season and significantly above their previous record. They're also suggesting a record production of corn this year with 125.5 million tons, up 11% compared to last year. So you betcha there is a monstrous crop coming out of Brazil this harvest season for them down there. So that doesn't seem to be weighing too heavily on the markets though today, Tanner, as we're still seeing some bullish excitement after last week's WASDI report where we saw definitely the wheat complex lead the charge here. But as we look at markets here at the close on Monday, July corn added six and a half cents to close at 592 and three quarters. Dees new crop corn added six and a half cents to close at 515 and a quarter. July soybeans added 10 and three quarter cents today to close at $14 on the nose. November new crop beans added seven cents to close at 12.30 and three quarters. As I mentioned, wheat really was the big driver for today's market moves, with the July contract adding 22 cents in the hard red winter wheat contract to close at $8.99. And in livestock markets here today, Tanner, we saw that positive momentum trickle over into the cattle complex. August live cattle today added 30 cents to close at a buck 
August feeders added 207 and a half to close at 231.05. And even Lean Hawks got a little nice bump here today with the June contract adding $2.05 to close at 86.15. Tanner, without further ado, let's kick things over to our Market Monday conversation today with Jeff French. Well, as we mentioned, folks, we are chatting today with Jeff French of aghedgers.com. Jeff, thanks for joining us again here on the podcast. Certainly a lot of issues to talk about or a lot of topics to talk about here as we wrap up today's trading session. You know, we had the WASI report that came out Friday morning and haven't really had a time, had a chance to really dig into that too much, but it appears that Wheat certainly led the charge there on that WASI report and trickled into today's trading session, Jeff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the wheat, you know, it had that big decline for months. And uh, in the last two weeks, especially the Kansas City has really reversed here. I mean, Kansas City in the last two weeks is up a, over $1.75 a bushel. Uh, today, it hit a fresh seven-month high. Uh, July was able to trade over $9. We haven't done that since uh, uh, November of last year. Um, now, we did hit uh, probably some pretty good selling because, I mean, the you know, Kansas, especially southwest Kansas, and uh, you move south into Oklahoma, I mean, they are hard hit. Um, but there are some areas that do have pretty good stands of wheat. I mean, it's, it's not that big of an area, but uh, uh, you get these this wheat over nine dollars uh you would think you'd see some uh, selling and that's probably what we saw it here today i mean wheat's uh 15 cents off the highs from today but uh all in all very strong action um now there are a couple things that we're looking at in the wheat um you know turkey right now is electing a new president uh they're going on into a runoff election so if they get a new president, how does that affect the grain deal? I think you have some of the funds that, you know, they've been short this wheat for uh, the last six, eight months. They've they've definitely come back in to buy back their short positions. That's why you've seen such a hard move higher. Um, and, you know, we got, you know, harvest is not too far around the corner. I mean, here, here by the end of the month, uh, you're going to see Oklahoma start to begin to harvest. So I don't know if we'll see too much of harvest pressure because of the low uh, yields in Oklahoma, but uh, uh, yes, the wheat had definitely uh, the last couple of weeks has been the leader and it was from Friday's WASDA report. I mean, they, they cut the crop more than the trade was anticipating down to 514 uh, million bushels. Um, and that's even smaller than last year's crop. So uh, Kansas wheat tour begins tomorrow. Uh, so we'll see if, you know, the, the trade is obviously pretty, we get the conditions report and the wheat condition, especially in Kansas and, and Oklahoma has been really terrible all year round. So, uh, the Kansas wheat tour is probably just going to confirm what we've been, uh, seeing here the last couple of months that, uh, the wheat is, uh, really bad in, in most places. So as we look at soybeans, we were up significantly higher midday than where we closed today. What's the news driving that market? Well, you know, the, so you have the old crop um, and, you know, it remains tight. I mean, we have a carryout of 200 million bushels. So every time, you know, that July gets below $14, it just doesn't spend a lot of time below $14. You look here in the last six months, I think we've only been down below $14 three times. And every time we're down there, we come back pretty quickly. So 
a couple things on the beans. Uh, you know, on the old crop, you have the tight carry out. You have excellent domestic crush. Uh, NOPA crush numbers were released today. Uh, it, uh, once again, uh, another record crush number. So they are making it's it's upwards of three dollars a bushel uh, that the uh, soybean crushes are making. So number one, we have great uh, domestic demand. That's why we we've been holding this fourteen dollar mark. Um, but then you look at what's happening in the world. You know, obviously Brazil has had this huge crop. They're essentially done harvesting. Uh, they've been trying to sell as much as they can. Uh, but then you have Argentina, where they've had essentially half their crop because of uh, drought conditions. Uh, so will they? Will Argentina be able to supply the world? They're the largest supplier of uh, bean meal, uh, largest exporter. Uh, so we haven't seen the meal really take off from that. I mean, it obviously did a while ago, but it looks like Argentina is going to be able to import beans from Brazil and still be able to get the meal out there. But, uh, uh, you know, then you go to new crop beans. It, it's it's all about, uh, you know, good weather, uh, plant, uh, planting pace uh, much faster than the five-year average. We'll get another update here. Uh, at three o'clock here today, but uh, you know, from talking to guys throughout, you know, the, the, the main, the core states, the I states, most guys are either finishing up this week or very close to being finished up. So, uh, you know, a lot of guys last year at this time hadn't even turned a wheel. So, you would think uh, with this rain and early planting, we're off to a a very good start. But again, it's May fifteenth. We have three months of weather ahead of us. Uh, the markets can change quick, obviously, but the weather uh, is going to be the leading uh, factor here moving forward for the next three months. Also, though, what I'm watching is uh, outside markets, um, political, um, what happens here with the debt ceiling here in the U.S. Uh, it, you know, if, if if they don't come to an agreement, the Democrats and Republicans, and for some reason we default, uh, I, I just don't even think that would be one case that we want to see. I, I just think if the stock market would collapse 10 or 15%, it would definitely spill over into the grain markets. So that's one of the main outside market factors that I'm watching here right now. That was a lot of stuff there that you went through, Jeff. But I'm curious, Tanner and I were debating this earlier. What do you think we're going to see for planting progress numbers today? Do you think we see a little bit of a slowdown in Iowa? And does the market even care at this point? Uh, I don't think the, well, that's, yeah, it's going to slow down a little bit. I mean, there, there was quite a bit of rain last week, but, you know, we, we went in last week, Iowa was 70% planted on corn, Illinois was 73%. So, you know, once, once uh, the market gets over kind of that 50% nationally, it, it kind of takes a breather and, you know, it just, uh, you know, May 15th, if we were at the end of the month here, and we were still, you know, 60% planted, I think it would have, but, uh, Right now, the, the 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 pace of planning and the current weather conditions, uh, you know, uh, you have the funds that are still short the corn, meaning they are wanting lower prices. Um, right now, there's just nothing out there um, for them to reverse and start buying back those positions. So, if this weather continues, uh, you got to look at the new crop on any type of significant rally, twenty or thirty cent rallies. You probably got to start you know, selling a little bit of cash or buying some puts because right now the market psyche is our, our rallies are meant to be sold as of right now. Yeah, so that's uh, kind of 
interesting to watch and debate as we continue to go forward. But we'd also talked a little bit about what the cattle complex has. It seems to remain bullish this year, but what are indications looking like this week? Well, you know, look where we're at. We're, we're in the middle of May. I mean, if you look at bull cycles in the cattle market, uh, you typically see, you know, a, a spring high in that late April, early May timeframe. Uh, and then you have a little uh, pullback going into June and then into mid-July. So that's kind of the cycle we're in right now. But, you know, the numbers are tight and you're going to see that again with Friday's cattle on feed report. I mean, we're going to be 96% on feed. Uh, the placements are going to be a little varying, but uh, placements are going to be down 95 to 96%. So, you know, that trend of having less cattle on feed and uh, placing less cattle into feedlots, that's going to continue uh, in my estimate. I think you're going to see confirmation of that again. But uh, yeah, the cattle market's in a in a bull, raging bull market, uh, and it's even probably going to get even tighter number-wise uh, the fourth quarter of this year. Uh, the only thing from a cattle standpoint, you just got to see what the general economy is going to be doing. I, I, I tell my guys every day that, you know, we're going to have put options underneath. We don't want to cap the upside because it, we want this thing to rally. We want to partake in that. But uh, something out of our control that's not related to fundamentals to supply and demand. You know, if, if this stock market takes a, a big sell off, uh, we've seen it many times in the past that it can spill over into the cattle. So that's what I'm cautioning against here in the cattle. But uh, overall, from the supply and demand, uh, this cattle market could be good for the next 18, 24 months. So 18, 24 months, Jeff, are you expecting prices to remain at these levels or do we still have room to move to the upside? I, I think we do. I, I mean, you just move it. I think we could continue to rally. I, I mean, uh, we've seen higher prices, especially in the feeder cattle. We've seen higher prices than where we're at currently. Uh, now the fat cattle are making some new all-time highs, but you know, you look at uh, domestic demand. I mean, the consumer has just not um, backed off of these higher prices. So, um, you know, beef demand remains excellent. Uh, we got to watch that, obviously, and we do every week. But uh, I think this cattle market could definitely move higher, no question. So as we sit here and kind of wrap up this Market Monday conversation, what else are we missing? What other headlines are you going to be watching? Well, I think it just goes back, and, and we touched on it before, but I, I think you got to watch what happens here in Washington. They're, they're meeting again for negotiations Friday. Uh, you know, the, the, these guys, I mean, talk about just somebody, you know, both, both sides. I mean, get it done. Uh, you know, if you have a default, uh, you have all the armed forces, uh, Social Security, uh, every anybody that works for the government that's not going to get paid. And, and it's just going to send a really terrible message um, um, to the financial community. And I think you could see a, a pretty big uh, spike lower if that were to happen. So uh, all eyes on Washington here for the next uh, probably 10, 14 days. Jeff, before we let you go, if any of our listeners want to chat markets with you or pick your brain, what's the best place to find you? Uh, you can get us online at aghedgers.com uh, or on Twitter at, uh, at aghedger, um, and uh, you can hit me up there. Fantastic, Jeff. Well, thanks again for joining today to chat markets. Certainly appreciate your insight as always. Anytime, guys. Thank you very much. 
Well, there you go, listeners. Another great Market Monday edition here. Come back. We'll be with you all week, Tuesday through Friday, to bring you more great headlines and good conversations. So check back in, follow us on social media. But today, what do you say, Delaney? Should we let the listeners go? Let's let them go. 